This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby Zneimer. This week, marbles, a popular yet simple toy many Zoomers grew up with, Can you believe in these times of high-tech toys there's an American company that still produces a million glass marbles every day? And here's a Christmas gift idea for the Beatles fan in your life. The iconic group is opening up the vaults for a new seven-disc anniversary release of the classic White Album. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New mortgages are way up among older Canadians between the ages of 73 and 93. While the number has slowed for younger home buyers, it's increased 63% among aging Canadians, and it comes despite rising interest rates and tougher new regulations. Credit agency TransUnion says its findings suggest that mom, dad, grandma, grandpa are helping the kids buy a house. The drop among younger home buyers suggests the new mortgage rules are impacting those who no longer qualify or can't get the amount of mortgage they want. The autumn leaves of red and gold. It's officially autumn and what's not to love? The vibrant colors and mild weather. Here's another reason to like fall. Toronto researchers found that it's the best time of year for our brains. They tested how well people were able to think and concentrate in all four seasons and found the brain functions best, or almost five years younger, in late summer, early fall. In short, winter and spring aged their brains, but mental youth bounced back around this time of year. They further found that cases of dementia are diagnosed more in winter and spring. Research done by Sunnybrook and U of T. Japan has set a record for the number of people aged 100 and up, and almost all are women. This week, Japan released statistics showing the number of its citizens older than 100 has risen to almost 70,000, and 88% are women. That's a dramatic increase from 1965 when the country first started collecting data. Back then, there were only 153 to reach a century. Japan celebrates its elderly so much, there's a public holiday called Respect for the Aged Day. Speaking of 100, it seems older Americans aren't so sure they want to live that long. A new poll finds that half think it's not worth it because of health and financial uncertainties, but... The Harris Poll survey found that despite those concerns, many, or 89%, would like to reach 100 if they were guaranteed physical and mental health. And just over half are willing to make lifestyle changes to reach the century mark. 71% would be okay with a milestone age as long as they look younger. 
Miriam Dunn has been reaching out to her Twitter followers and asking them to mail her 92-year-old father a birthday card after the passing of his wife this past spring. The Nova Scotia resident asked people to mail a note, card, picture, map, or story to Gerard Dunn, whose birthday is October 16th. She said her dad loves hearing that mail slot open. Dunn said her father loves to cook and is passionate about history and jazz. By midweek, her request had been retweeted more than 5,000 times and liked more than 9,000. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The Beatles' classic 1968 White Album is commemorating its 50th anniversary with a reissue. The album has been remixed by fifth Beatle George Martin's son Giles Martin and repackaged with additional demos and session recordings. It'll be available as a seven-disc set on November 9th. I spoke with Eric Alper, a Toronto-based music expert. When people talk about the Beatles' White Album, originally called The Beatles, you're really talking about... A a very strange time in their career where, for the first time, they were having relationships outside of the group in terms of girlfriends getting closer and marriages. And a lot of the outside influences were definitely starting to seep in a lot more. So when it comes to the White Album uh, and the 50th anniversary that the box set is coming out, you are hearing not only the original tracks remastered and remixed a little bit, but you also get a treasure trove of other songs. In fact, along with the original 30 songs that were taken from the original four track and eight track session tapes, you are getting 50 sessions takes that have never been heard before 27 songs in their demo version but for Beatles fanatics there's something called the Esher sessions and the Esher demos were from after the band got back from their hugely celebrated trip to India they went to George's house in Esher and started to have all the songs together for the first time so the first time that all of the members brought their own songs and they were jamming on an acoustic instrument. And it's never really been heard before, even by the biggest Beatles fanatic. But these demo tapes are on the White Album as well. Eric, have you heard it start to finish? I have. I've heard it from start to finish. And it's astounding how together the Beatles seemed and sounded like. Because the White Album in history has been the album that was fraught with problems. It was where Ringo left the band. It was where George Martin, the producer, left sessions halfway through because he was so frustrated. But when you listen from start to finish, or even in bits and pieces, you really get a sense for this is a band performing these songs all in the same room as opposed to the studio trickery of the album that came before that with with Starch and Pepper. And when you listen to the box set, you really get a sense of their love of music from the past. So you end up with a lot more cohesive and together of a unit. For people who think that they know what the Beatles and the White Album is really all about, you're going to be wrong once you start to hear all the demo tapes and the making of the songs come to life. Any surprises after you listened or as you were listening saying, wow, or really? You really get to hear all the different versions of the song and them talking to one another, hearing John Lennon and Paul McCartney goof around a bit in the studio, hearing the little kind of maybe anger that George 
uh, Harrison has when his songs don't get picked or this version or that they had to stop because somebody flubbed. I just loved hearing the voices because I just, we all know the music, but we don't really get to hear them in the studio just talking as friends. Like the Wizard of Oz peeking behind the curtain. That's all these box sets are. And, and, you know, for the people who think, well, what do I need 95 songs of, of one album? You're absolutely right. There was really no need to have it. But now that we have the ability to go back in the vault and clean up some of these older takes or some of the demo versions that never wanted or should have been seen in the light of day, it really just gives you an appreciation and an illumination of four guys sitting in a studio creating magic. Physically, what's all in this deluxe set? There is the four LP box set that comes out. There's also a two double album standard edition. So when you're talking about the two LPs, that's what we were all buying back in the day. And they just did a remaster of it. And now that there's a four LP version of it that has all of the demo tapes, there's a a huge book that comes in the uh, expanded edition too. It has all the studio notes. It has a longer biography. It's got those four color photos that came along with it, plus copies of the lyrics as well. And then of course, if you don't want to buy the physical product, all these songs are going to be available up on the streaming services uh, in a couple of weeks as well. You know, there might be 30 to 50 albums that are worthy of an extra 100 songs for even the casual listener to hear, but almost everything in the Beatles catalog when it comes out to the albums are, are worthy of our attention. So a must for hardcore Beatles fans? Yeah, absolutely. Not only is it a, a must for hardcore Beatles fans, but it's going to take you a month to go through it all anyway. Eric, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Eric Alper, a music publicist and lifelong musicaholic. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, marbles were the video games of the Zoomer generation, and you'll be surprised to hear they're still around. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Try explaining to anyone who's not a Zoomer about playing with marbles. Kids used to play with them in schoolyards, ball fields, parking lots, but many collected them too, and that's still true today. American company Marble King makes more than a million glass marbles at its factory in West Virginia every day, but it's facing some unfair competition, as I found out when I spoke with the company's CEO, Barry Fox. It was my dad's first job out of college, and he was hired shortly after he finished college returning from the Second World War. And he worked his way up through the company, and in 1983, he and my mom bought the company that uh, he went to work for in 1949. Just how popular were marbles? Very popular. When my dad started, there were hundreds of people that worked at this facility. Marbles were like video games today. They were the hottest item that you could have back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. And he traveled all over promoting and doing all kinds of things. Actually, if you look at marbles, even back in the heyday of marbles, you know, they were something that was unique. The patterns, the colors could all be different. They were something kids could collect if they chose not to play them. But it's a very inexpensive sport, and it's a sport that is unique. Like, to play football, if I'm going to be really good, you know, I'm going to have to throw, pass this football to you. I have to have someone that can catch it. 
you know, if I'm going to do baseball, if, if I'm going to be the greatest batter, then I have to have someone who can pitch it to me. Marbles is a game that you can draw a circle on the floor and you can put your hand down, you can have your shooter in your hand, and you can start just popping those marbles right out of that circle all by yourself perfecting the skill on your own and then taking it to a schoolyard or playground and being able to show what you could accomplish to others. What competition knocked marbles off their perch? Things started changing in the 1960s, and I would say mid to late 60s, definitely early 70s. Um, There were multiple reasons for that. At that time, we began to see a change, you know, with introduction of electronic toys before, too, even in just traditional game pieces. A lot of Marble King's market was in traditional games, games where the marble was the piece, and you actually rolled a dice, counted six spaces, and moved your marble that many, to where you saw, you know, electronics and games, and things were lighting up, and you, you know, kind of put a different spin on it. And I think, too, with TV and more accessibility, uh, all those things, we began to see the influx of a lot of the Chinese imports. Now, how have you and Marbles managed to survive? We've had to be very creative. I've had to learn a lot from both my father and my mother and other people in the business, and, you know, certainly not to put, you know, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, uh, and to be able to develop multi-uses for marbles, and we've been able to do that very successfully. I mean, marbles are used as decorations and all kinds of things, like flower vases. They're used in decorative walls. They're backlit in different uh, aquariums, different things like that. They're used in industrial purposes, um, infiltration systems. They are used you know, in spray paint cans. That That's little right. rattle you hear. Yeah, when you shake it and you hear, what is that inside? And it's a marble. It is. It's a glass marble, and it's perfect to do that. What's the future for marbles? I see still traditional game of marbles being played. It's very inexpensive. And some of the inner city schools here in the United States, as well as we distribute to worldwide. So we have had people from South Africa wanting Marble King marbles because they're the best. From an industrial aspect, I see that continuing. Architecture, I see not just continuing, but developing as people find more creative uses for this glass product. And I think that, too, with the filtration system, they're using them in winemaking now. Um, They're using them in a lot of different settings. So I think there's a future for marbles. Barry Fox, the queen of Marble King. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That was Marble King CEO Barry Fox. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a milestone birthday for a Canadian music icon. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book tips for those of you jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. 
Winnie the Pooh is the subject of a new multi-sensory exhibit at Boston's Museum of Fine Arts until January 6th. The 200 works from the Walt Disney Company help visitors reconnect with the original stories through drawings and cartoons. Art and science collide in a new permanent cultural venue that opened this month in central London. Science Gallery London is the first of its kind in the UK. It's for visitors both young and old. Asia's renowned international National Fine Art Fair returns to Hong Kong until Tuesday, featuring antiques and art from both Asian and Western traditions spanning 5,000 years of cultural history. And a shave and a haircut with a twist. The New York City Barbershop Museum is showcasing more than 100 years of barbering and offering a shave and a haircut along with the tour, which is free. The grooming is not. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Canadian rock icon Randy Bachman celebrated his 75th birthday. Although famous for his guitar skills, Bachman's musical education began with the violin. He took lessons with the Royal Conservatory until he was 12, but quit after getting fed up with the rigid structure. It wasn't until he was 15 after watching Elvis Presley on TV when he bought his first guitar. Backman went on to have an incredible career as a musician, first as lead guitarist for the Guess Who, and then with Backman Turner Overdrive. Here's Randy Backman and his first band, the Guess Who, with their chart-topping hit, American Woman. That was the Guess Who with American Woman. Guitarist Randy Backman celebrated his 75th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.